Welcome to Microgrid Knowledge, where we provide news and analysis about microgrid development and trends. This is Lisa Cohn with microgridknowledge.com. Today our guest is Herbert Dwyer, President and CEO of ASI Energy, and he's here to discuss a project in Ithaca called Energize Ithaca that aims to create New York State's first nodal microgrid. Be sure to pick up our free newsletter at www.microgridknowledge.com to get an early jump on prospects and trends from some of the most experienced reporters in the business. That's www.microgridknowledge.com. Hi, Herbert. Thanks for joining me. Thank you very much for having me. So can you define nodal microgrid for me? Sure. Uh, Nodal microgrid is something that we came up with uh, about uh, three years ago, maybe 2011, um, to reflect the American microgrid versus the European model or campus model. When we first started our project Energize Ithaca in Ithaca, New York, we had looked at doing a campus microgrid. That, that's what microgrids to us and at, at the time, the, all the resources that we were working with, that they, they were defined as a campus style or central box uh, grid. Mm-hmm. What we've found, though, because the way that land use is and utility regulation is and ownership is and how land rights are uh, here in the United States versus Europe, it's just a very, very different way of deploying a microgrid. And we thought through that and we said, well, let's rethink the, the, the European model, the campus model, and apply it to, to the United States. What would work better and help us scale up and make it realistic and achievable? And we came up with the nodal microgrid concept where it's a distributed uh, generation model. It's, it's decentralized, right? So instead of having one big box, you build it, they will come, which is very difficult, again, in the United States for many factors. Utilizing local, the, the nodal microgrid approach, you'll be able to build it and scale it as as needed, and it, 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 it's it's more achievable and more realistic by decentralizing the the central plant or campus or European model uh, grid system. Oh, I see. So, so you're basically saying you're just you're just building it in in nodes in phases. Correct. And does it all so, hook up now? So you're using combined heat and power. I'm curious. Is this something that you could do? with um, something like a renewable energy plus storage microgrid, or is it only something you can use with combined heat and power? No, um, so we combined heat and power is the backbone of Energize Ithaca, and in, in many areas, combined heat and power is going to be the backbone of any microgrid. Um, everybody seems to really focus on electrical generation. You know, electricity, electricity, electricity. And while electricity is, is, is important in a microgrid, people forget about thermal energy. There's still the need for heating and cooling. What's great about combined heat and power is that it not only gives the electricity that is absolutely necessary in a microgrid, it also at the same time supplies thermal energy for heating and utilizing absorption chilling for cooling. Mm-hmm. Um, now, your question regarding renewable energy, the great part about CHP is not only is it much, much more efficient than, the, than current technologies for creating thermal energy and also 
the electrical generation on the grid that is at best 50% efficient. Mm -hmm. When you combine it with, say, solar PV to make up the electricity that the CHP system is not producing in an economical uh, format, you kind of have what I... I like to call the peanut butter and jelly sandwich. They, they work really well together. I mean, they're, 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 they, they, CHP and PV, when deployed together, actually complement themselves very, very well. Because CHP is usually when you size, well, actually usually, most of the time when you size CHP, it's going to be sized to thermal loads. So what that means is you're not producing the electricity, all the electricity that the site needs, so by uh, understanding that and then knowing that you're going to have a gap in need for electricity, then you look at how much electricity then can be picked up by deploying solar PV. Mm-hmm. So lead with CHP, then backfill with PV. Oh, I see. And is that what you're going to do? Yes, that's exactly what we're going to do. Um, and and, right- and, it's, it's, it, it, and why, why we're doing that is because it's the most efficient use of capital. It's the most efficient use of money. Um, and is that because of some of the tax incentives that are provided um, for both systems? I'm just guessing here. Yeah, no, that, that, that takes into account uh, both systems. We actually have a proprietary software in our company that, that does very, very deep calculations um, around uh, combined heat and power and other um, energy um, systems and, and, and load reduction. Mm-hmm. Um, it's what our investors invest in. Uh, we're backed by a $150 million investment fund. So when we go into projects, they look to us, they look to our, the output of our software to provide the results that they're looking for. And I say results, I mean you know, performance on their money. So when we look at these systems, we're looking at not only the tax credits, we're looking at depreciation schedules, we're looking at cash on cash, we're looking at many, many, many different factors. The incentives obviously are, are key, but really looking at realistic um, economics and what's what was what does that mean realistic economics is how efficient can you take someone's dollar and give it back to them due to the efficiency of power generation of that system mm-hmm. that's, that's really all it boils down to chp with the right chp there's, there's many hundreds and hundreds of, of different types of systems out there so people think of chp they have one machine in their mind and that chp well multiply that times 100, and that's now you're getting realistic with the CHP. They all have different efficiencies. They're all intended for different types of buildings and different types of sites. But if you get that right machine in the right facility, the right location, the right node, if you will, or micro district, and then complement it with solar PV, even some energy reduction measures, something as simple as swapping out light bulbs with more efficient light bulbs, there's less electricity that you have to generate. Now you're talking about the inefficient use of money. Mm-hmm. It, that's really what it, what it boils down to. And if we're going to scale microgrids in the United States, if we're really going to make this realistic, we have to understand how it's going to be built. It's going to be built around investment dollars. Mm-hmm. Um, now you talked a little bit about uh, some proprietary software that helps you estimate the savings. Can you say a little bit more about that? Uh, sure. Well, we developed it... Uh, Back in 2010, 2011, uh, it's a system called Energy Diligence. And just like the name says, uh, it's, it's for doing due diligence. It's, it's for investors. Uh, this is, it's not a, a feel-good software that we, we use to, um, to, uh, in, in, the, in the sales approach to you know, make things look neat and pretty and, 
has all sorts of graphs and pictures. Um, it, it's really, uh, it, it's more about horsepower for the investors. They want to see realistic numbers. They want to understand what's going on on the ground. The people that we're working with, our investors, are, are very high-level investors. They're very smart. They're very good with their money. Uh, and they, they're not engineers. They're not electricians. They're not HVAC people. And the problem that we've had in the combined heat power industry is that it's a very, very complex industry because there's so moving parts when you're dealing with not only electrical generation, but also heat generation and possibly use of cooling. Uh, and how that works, how it fits in with, with regulatory issues, there's lots of hidden costs, lots of, lots of structured fees. Um, it, it becomes difficult. Whereas with the solar industry, the, the solar panels are producing electricity. Put a solar panel on your house, you turn it on, it just produces electricity. It, it's, it's, it's much less complex. Um, so there, we needed something to help us be able to develop projects faster and move capital faster into our projects. Um, and when I say our projects, they're actually most of the projects we're working on right now are other people's projects. They're just bringing us on board to help them run high-level financials for um, for their clients or for them, for developers, uh, especially for people that are at risk or, or doing due diligence uh, to see if combined heat and power makes sense in, in a microgrid or just on a single site. Uh, it's kind of kind of our sweet spot at ASI Energy. That's really interesting, and that's and that's a software that you developed or you hired someone to develop, I assume. No, we actually developed it in, uh, in-house, uh, brought on the necessary resources in order to, uh, to fine-tune it and, and create the, the package that our engineers uh, use on, a, on a, literally a daily basis. Huh. Uh, and that's to convince investors. Now, um, let's back up. Tell me a little bit about where you're at with, this pro- with the uh, microgrid project. Sure. Uh, so the, uh, the project is called Energize Ithaca. It's been in, uh, in process since 2010. Uh, I wish we were much further along, but going back to what I said earlier about land use you know, and, and utility regulations um, and use of capital, those are all major, major hurdles that we had to, to overcome. Uh, it's based in Ithaca, New York. Uh, Ithaca is, for, for those people that have had the opportunity to visit, uh, it's, it's not a very dense area. I mean, we have a dense downtown. We have a dense college town. We have a few infill um uh, commercial industrial buildings kind of scattered about. Um, so it makes for a very interesting project, but it also makes for a project that realizes distributed generation is key and makes the most sense for this type of, of geography. Um, if, if you look at, say, Manhattan, where it's high density, very tall buildings, everything's compacted together, it's a different layout than the microgrid that we're developing in Ithaca where things are a little bit more spread out and there's pockets of density. Um, you know, I, I know the, the European model would say, you know what, great, just run pipes all over the place and everybody shares thermal energy through running pipes like they do in Denmark. It works great for Denmark. It's a very different uh, geography. It's a very different regulatory system. It's a very different land use that they have there in, in ownership rights. Uh, here, here in the United States, again, it's, it's just different. Uh, and it's very costly to run those pipes, especially if there's no off-takers for the energy that you're moving around. Uh, so although Manhattan would have density and they have kind of steam district there, without having off-takers to guarantee that they're going to be off-taking the heat, 
it's it's a really bad idea just to run pipes that, that are not going to be used. You're, you're not going to find an investor to invest in something that doesn't get used. Mm-hmm. The government may bond it and pay for it, uh, but the investors won't. So rather than running pipes, you are using this nodal um, system. Can you say a little bit more about how it works? Sure. So with a nodal microdistrict, it's based on the, the concept that's been around for, for years of distributed generation. Uh, most of the utilities that are still in the United States operating, they're based on, frankly, a 100-year-old model, really the 50s. It's a 1950s model where you have your central plants, your electrical generation plants. They could be coal burning. Uh, a lot of them are being retrofitted in, to natural gas these days. Uh, but you have your centralized plant. You have your, your nuclear power plant. Whatever it is, is your giant central power plant is generating the electricity at low efficiency. The reason it's low efficiency is you're wasting all the heat that's literally going out the stack. Um, so by decentralizing the centralized plant, you, you're actually naturally picking up efficiencies. This is where combined heat and power comes into play. So by picking up those efficiencies, you're actually picking up savings, which then goes back to pay for the investment into the system, into, into decentralizing. The other, the, the other problem here, though, is we're susceptible to a major, major, major grid of overhead wires that just are strung out throughout the, the United States. You look at, um, look at Sandy, right? Awful, awful storm. We live in New York. We were devastated, same with New Jersey, uh, with, with what happened. If you look at, at, at pictures of Manhattan during that storm, even after that storm, uh, I should say, let's, let's say immediately after the storm ended, if you look at pictures of Manhattan at night, those places that actually still had electricity either are, were about to run out of diesel fuel for their backup generators or running on natural gas-fired uh, combined heat and power systems. Mm-hmm. Pace University... Uh, has been the one that everybody has heralded uh, as, as this awesome uh, micro district that was up and running, dirt campus style micro district that was up and running during the storm and after the storm and actually provided refuge to many, many people from the, from the university and not. That's when a light went off with, with New York State for combined, not only combined heat and power, but also microgrids. We're like, you know what? We are susceptible. Our grid is, is it's an old model. It's, it's aging infrastructure. It's, it's literally Ma Bell with telephone wires back in the day. We need to think more strategically about what it is that we need, electricity, heat, and cooling. How does that happen? How do we become more resilient at the same time reduce our carbon footprint and also create jobs? So there's been a lot of excitement around the rev proceedings here in New York State, which is uh, – uh, it's the Public Service Commission's way of kind of hitting the reset button on, on again, 1950s mindset, 1950s regulatory um, uh, rules, and, and to to really um, help create a new environment of, of utility. It's not to say that we want the, the existing utilities, the oligopolies, to go away. It's, it, it really is to say there's going to be a new playing field. We want you to play in it. This is what it's going to look like. Again, going back to my analogy of, of Ma Bell, I, I use it a lot when I lecture at universities. That it, it, this is this is Ma Bell. We, you know, I don't I don't have a phone in my house, and I don't know many people that do. We all have cell phones. Well, imagine back in the day if 
the, the government stepped in and said, you know what, we're going to block cell phones from coming into the marketplace. We're going to require everybody to have have phones in their homes because we have all this all these stranded assets, right? We have all these overhead lines, utility lines, phone lines. We need to get use out of them. So we're, we're going to block the cell phone. This is kind of what's happening right now, distributed generation with PV, with combined heat and power, with on-site storage, better storage um, technologies, with microgrids. Microgrid is a distributed generation. If you look at it, it's also the cell phone to Ma Bell. Hmm. So there, there's a huge shift that, that's, that's occurring right now. And, uh, and that's, I believe, why there's a big, there's, there's a lot of excitement around a microgrid is because it is the, it's the scalable answer to apply distributed energy resources in the new America post-Sandy with greenhouse gas emissions in mind. Great. Well, um, I know I could talk to you for a long, long time about this. It sounds like your project <laughs> yeah. is super interesting. Um, thank you. But but thank you so much for joining us. Um, it's really, really interesting stuff. Well, thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. Be sure to pick up our free newsletter at www.microgridknowledge.com to get an early jump on prospects and trends from some of the most experienced reporters in the business. That's www.microgridknowledge.com.